you have your Bible this morning, if you would turn over uh, into Ruth uh, chapter 3. We're continuing on. Uh, we were here up until a couple of weeks ago, and um, we're back here this morning. And the message is very apt, and the timing is very apt. I believe that the Lord has coordinated and the Holy Spirit has coordinated all these things this morning that he would speak to our hearts. It's in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 18. And then if you could also turn over into Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. So Ruth 3 and verse 18. And then we're going to read from Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. <clears throat> Excuse me, and 29. Amen. Praise the Lord. And when you get there, uh, if you could stand for the reading of God's word this morning, the honor is word. And uh, we'll read Ruth 3 first and then Joel 2. Once you're all there, we'll stand together. Praise the Lord. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. And we're going to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Praise the Lord. Ruth 3, 18. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until I know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Then over into Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Now, Father, this morning we pray for your anointing both to preach and to hear your word. We ask for your help this morning. Oh, God, would you do an eternal work in this house? Lord, what you've begun we know you'll also finish. But, Lord, make us willing vessels today. Lord, humble ourselves before your throne of grace that you will do a great work, Lord, in our lives, Lord, and through your people, O oh God. Oh, Father, we just pray that you would pour out your Spirit, Lord, upon every one of us today, that we go, Lord, with a fresh vision of Jesus and a fresh vision, O oh God, of a lost and a damned world. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. Praise the Lord. There are many things that are happening in our world currently that we are well versed in, we know, and we hear of them constantly. And all the time we're being bombarded with many things, both without and also within. And also we understand that uh, uh, prophetically in Scripture there are many things that will unfold, are unfolding at this present time and are going to unfold, uh, whether that be the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and the great debate that that is causing in the church, uh, whether we see a, a, a militant rise, or we're seeing it certainly, of that homosexual uh, group as well, and also a one-world system and a cashless society, all those things prophetically unfolding. But here's the one thing, friends, that this morning that I'm so excited about. We're about to see the greatest outpouring this world has ever seen of the Holy Ghost. 
We're about to experience the greatest revival this earth has ever witnessed. And that revival will usher in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a great harvest that are made ready to meet the Lord in the earth. We know that we're living in days that there are many things we can focus on. But we got to know that we have to be busy about the Master's work. And we have to be in his will at this time. And this story in Ruth chapter 3, the recap, and most know the story very well. What a powerful uh, story it is. But we know that Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, had left Bethlehem because of a great famine. This family had been through so much, such an awful time. They'd left Bethlehem. They went into the land of Moab because there was a great famine in the land. And at that time, we read of... uh, her two sons, uh, her husband, Elimelech, had died. And then her, her two sons, who had married two Moabite ladies, they also died when they were in the land of Moab. And then the Lord begins to stir the heart of, of Naomi. And she hears the words in Ruth uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. She heard in the country of Moab that how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. And the Lord, she heard in her heart, she heard also, I believe, in the spirit that there was a visitation of the Lord back in Bethlehem. And Naomi rises up at this time, a woman who is has lost so much and had had to move because so many things had happened. But when she heard there was bread, when she heard there was bread in the land, bread back in that hometown, she knew that's where she needed to be. She needed to come home. She needed to come back to where there was bread, where there was the bread. And we know that speaks of Christ being that bread of life, the word of God. And so she rises up to come and also Ruth and Arpa, her two daughter-in-laws, And there was a divine moment, I suppose, in the story when we read of Arpa as she separates herself uh, from Naomi just to go back into the land of Moab. But Ruth, uh, we know that one of the principal characters of the book, Ruth and the namesake, Ruth then, those famous words in Ruth 1 and verse 16, she speaks to Naomi and she says, Entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following thee. For whether you go, I will go. And whether you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God shall be my God. Where thy die, I will die. And where thy will be buried, the Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And so we see the dedication, the motivation of her love for Naomi and her trust in the God of Naomi. She says, I will go, I will go with where you go. We read the story, of course, and we looked at it of Naomi's testimony in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 19 when she comes back into Bethlehem. And the whole city was moved and they begin to look at Naomi and say, is this, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? We remember Naomi. Look at look at Naomi. Look, she's come back. And Naomi says, Naomi says these words. This is her testimony. She says, Don't call me Naomi or plentiful, but call me Mara, because she had such a bitter experience in her life. She says that the Almighty has dealt with me bitterly. And she says those famous words, I went out full, and the Lord, the Lord had brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me and the Lord Almighty has afflicted me? That was the personal walk and testimony in life 
of Naomi. I went out full, but I've been brought back empty. I've gone through the afflictions. Her experience was bitter, but she wasn't bitter. Remember, she wasn't bitter. She trusted in the Lord. That's why she's come back to Bethlehem. And then it finishes off in that chapter that they came to Bethlehem and it was a significant time. How many people know that timing's important? With God, timing is always important. God's timing is perfect. But it says in Ruth 1.22 that they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. They came back when it was harvest time. Now, chapter 2 opens, and I want you to listen carefully because the Lord is, is speaking. I have no doubt about that. I know it in my spirit. I know it in my heart. I know that God is speaking to hearts. I know that. I know he's speaking to us as a fellowship. And I know he's speaking to you in this room. Everybody that's here this morning, you're here because God has purposed you to be here. For those that aren't with us and are listening also at home, I know that in their hearts that the Lord is speaking to his people at this time. What a time of confusion, fear, despair, despondency. This is amongst the church and division. We see the whole spirit of Antichrist that is at work. But the Spirit of God is speaking into the church of Jesus Christ at this time. And I know that in your heart or in your minds, uh, I believe Angela prayed it this morning about the great battle that she's had this week, about the great struggle that she's gone through. She prayed something that is so uh, in line with probably so many people that are here and at home this morning listening in that there is an almighty struggle. There is a pressure. There is an intensity that, that is coming at this hour. What that shows me is not that we are anything special, but that shows me when the pressure comes like that, that God is about to break forth. Because when the intensity is increased, the heat is increased, that's the time that the Lord's about to step in. And so we must know this morning, even in our weakness, that we must keep our focus on Him, that He is speaking in this hour. We are introduced, I believe, that in the book of Ruth, the principal character of the book is not Ruth, but the principal character of the book is a man called Boaz. Because every book in the Bible is about a man, and that man's name is Jesus. And that's the key in this whole book, this encounter with Boaz. And I believe in, you know, in this hour that we are in, that there is a call that's come amongst the church of Jesus Christ. And that call came, we see there in verse 1, that Naomi had a kinsman of her husband. And this is a type of Christ. He's a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi. Now listen <clears throat> to these words of, of the words of Ruth to Naomi. She says, let me now go to the field. Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And Naomi said unto her, Go, my daughter. I want you to listen carefully because this is a key verse for what is what the Lord is the Lord is going to do in this house this morning. I, I want you to hear me because this cry that has come out of the heart here of Ruth, let me now go into the field. 
There was a desire. You're already possibly in it. But there's a desire for to be released into the purpose and the plan of God for your life. There's a desire. I'm not saying that in a in a Christian cliche way. Please don't take it that way because it's easy to say things and, and stick we things above our beds and above our mantelpiece. I'm talking about the Spirit of the Lord speaking into your heart. There's a burden of the Lord. I know a lot of people don't know what that necessarily is, but you not don't necessarily are able to describe it. You can't sometimes even put words upon it, but there's a burden of the Lord that's come upon your heart, upon your life. There's a desire God has stirred your heart. There's a desire to to go beyond the realm of where you are, the comfort, the the settlement, the the, the emotions of, of just going through life. But there is a burden that's in your heart. It's placed by the Spirit of the living God. You cannot describe it. You can't put your finger on it. But you know in your spirit that there's a drawn of the Holy Ghost. There's a purpose of God that comes and he lays his hand upon a vessel, upon vessels, upon a, upon a local assembly, upon a remnant, upon a people, whatever that may be. It is not unique to any one person, but it is the Spirit of God as he begins the work. And here we see it in the life of Ruth. She says to Naomi, release me to go. I need to go into that field. It was the time of the harvest. It was the time that she needed to go. Naomi had the wisdom and Naomi had the insight to say to Ruth, Ruth, you need to go. You need to go and do what's on your heart. You need to be released into the purposes of God. And friends, this morning, I've heard in the Spirit, I've heard in the Spirit, this may not sound right to a lot of people in the broader sense of the church, but for those who want to move with the Spirit of God, that want to move in the flow of the Spirit of God, there has been a stirring in the hearts of God's people. God is stirring hearts in this room. As some of you don't necessarily can put it into the words and maybe I'm not putting it across clearly either because it's a spiritual thing. It's a something of God putting an expectancy, a desire within you. And it, 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 it may be, you may not even know exactly what that's all for. But what I know is that here Ruth is saying, I need to be released into this field. And I wonder, I just want to say to you this morning, some perhaps even in this room, Perhaps even at an earlier stage in your walk with the Lord, in your life with the Lord, there was a a real stirring in your heart. There was an anointing upon your life. There was a cry in your heart. There was a burden in your life. There was a stirring to serve God, to go and to do what He has for you to do. And somehow you've been distracted. You know, distractions take you away from the purposes of God. They take you away from the plan of God. The devil wants to keep us busy with so many other things and the things of the earth but perhaps you've you've lost that stern but this morning I believe you're here under the divine hand of God and God will lay hold again of that life and that heart that's willing to respond and humble itself before the Lord and say Lord let me go to the field let me go to the field what's happening in this closing time, because friends, this morning you might say, well, how, how do you see that? Or how do you, 
Well, I believe the Lord showed me exactly where we are in time. And I'm not going to go into all the all this sense of that, which all the prophetic that people are being preoccupied with at the moment. But there's something we need to be preoccupied with. Why is it coming? Why is that stirring coming? Because we got to know and discern the time that we're in. we got to know the hour, where we are. We hear the, the drastic needs that are being presented to us this morning. And that man is one of countless hundreds and thousands all around us. Not only in Belfast, but across this land in Balnehens and Castlewell and in Newcastle and Kilkeel. We need a move of the Spirit of God. But you see, the great invitation, our country has been spoiled for the gospel. I mean, we have heard the gospel. The tragedy is, this is what's happening. If you turn to Luke chapter 14, we see where we're coming to in the close of the age. In Luke chapter 14, the Lord speaks of a parable, but the parable has a spiritual truth and a meaning. And it says this in Luke 14 and 16, that there is a certain man that made a great supper, and the invitation went out to many. He bade many to come, Luke 14 and 17. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come. The invitation was to come. Look at the great invitation. Come. For everything is now ready. In other words, that word ready means prepared. Everything is ready. I want to tell you, friends, the married supper of the Lamb is ready. It's ready. The Lord is coming and He's coming soon. But then look what happened in verse 18. This is the tragedy of the Western nations who've heard the gospel for years and decades. And they, with all one consent, began to make excuse. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I need to go and see to the ground. I pray thee, excuse me. Verse 19, another said, I have five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. And they prayed and prayed, excuse me. And then verse 20, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came back and showed his Lord these things. The master of the house was angry. Listen, this is what's happening, friends. Listen, what's happening in our country, in our land, amongst our people. We have heard the gospel. We hear it. We know it. Our culture, our generation, and our young, our old, we are spoiled for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have heard it for years and years and years and years. We hear it week in and week out. Some of you hear it all the time. The great invitation to come to the supper, to come to Christ. You hear it every week and you may not have the same excuses, but the excuses are just there. I'm too young. I'm too old. It's not time. What will my friends say? I couldn't be bothered. I want to enjoy the world. I want to go in and enjoy the pleasures of sin. I'm more interested in the computer games. I'm more interested in doing what I want to do. And the invitation comes, and it comes, and it comes, and you will not come. You won't come. And this is what's happening in the parable. They're making excuses why they won't come to Christ. Why they won't bow the knee. 
We're busy with things to do, with our career, with our, with our houses. Know what's happened in our land? Joshua Daniels said it many years ago. He's gone home to be with the Lord. But when he came here way back in the 40s and 50s, a man that's seen revival three times, genuine outpourings of the Spirit of God, used to come and preach in the lifeboat with Bran and Carol over in Lisbon. And he said, when he came here, and he's seen the great heritage of the gospel. And tragically, when he came back as an old man, he said, where has the generation of young people gone? We should have produced a generation of evangelists and teachers and pastors and those that were in the field, but instead they've been caught up with materialism and careers. What a tragedy, friends. And the invitation goes out, would you come? But the excuse is made in week in and week out. Where are we in time? This is what's going to happen. Listen very carefully. It says there that when he told the master of the house, he was angry. And he said to the servant, go out quickly. Here's what that word quickly means. Urgent. There's an urgency came. Do you know, for the most part, the legacy in church has no urgency. This legacy and age, there's no urgency. We're caught up in arguing over what this is all about. I'll tell you what it's all about, friends. It's about the spirit of Antichrist. It's about the suppression. It's against the church of Jesus Christ. But there's a bride that's coming out of all of this. There's an urgency. And he goes into the streets and the lanes of the city and said, Bring hither the poor. Bring the maimed. Bring the halt. Bring the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you commanded. But there's still room. I love this here. There's still room. Let me tell you, friends, there's still room this morning. There's still room. There's still room. Then this is what he said. The Lord said to the servant, here's where we are. That's where I believe we are in God's calendar. Go into the highways and the hedges. And you compel them to come in. Because my house is going to be full. Let me tell you, friends, I'll simply show you an example this morning about this chair. Right out of this. God's got a chair. God's got a chair at the table for everyone in this room to come to the supper. This is your chair. God's given you an invitation to come. Christ died for you. Christ loved you. Listen, I don't say this this morning. Please, I don't say this with any anger or malice or anything, but just with a heart that's saying, my God, you're sure. It's there for you to come to Philip, but see if you won't come, then he will bring someone else to Philip. Someone else will take your seat. I don't say not to try and manipulate you. I want to tell you, the Bible says here, Jesus speaking, his house is going to be full. Will you take your seat in the supper? Will you come and give your life to Christ? Will you humble your heart? Will you come? Or will you make the excuses like these people here in the, in the parable? We can't come. We can't come. We have things to do. We're busy with work. We're busy with our money. We're busy trying to extend all the things that we have. But they wouldn't come. The Lord says, go out. Go into the highways, go into the byways, 
bid them to come. Friends, there's a ministry of highways and byways. It's not going to make it on God channel. It's not going to make it on YouTube. It's not going to make it on all the billboards. It's not going to be all advertised. But I tell you, it's the greatest ministry that's about to happen in this last age. It's a John the Baptist ministry. It's a voice that cries in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Because he's coming. Excuses keep coming. The Lord so merciful bids you to come. But if you won't, he's going to fill his house with those from the highways and the byways. What a place this is going to be. Here's a woman that's a stranger in a land. Her devotion and her love and her motivation she had for Naomi. And her desire was to release me into this field. I want to tell you this morning for those that will go, whether it's to Belfast, whether it's to Kilkeel, whether it's to Castle Wellen, whether it's to Down Patrick, whether it's to Ball the Hinch, wherever that may be. But if there's a cry in a heart that's saying this morning, Lord, here's my life. I'm going to give you my life for you to use it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those that will go, I want to tell you, the revival, the last great revival that's about to happen is going to take place in the field. We have sat in the house. You see, it's easy to stay in the house, isn't it? Isn't it easy to stay in the comfort? Isn't everything of the natural man saying, stay, don't change anything, don't move anything. Stay in the house. Stay in the comfort zone. Stay and be satisfied. Keep a roof over your head. Have the plenty. Enjoy the pleasures of this world. But friends, if we really want to see the power of the Holy Ghost that we pray for, we sing for, and we believe for, then there has to be a going out to the field to see the power of God in these days. Jesus said these words, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. We're praying this morning, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that He, this is Him, would send forth laborers into his harvest. How many believe the harvest is great? How many know that the laborers are few? But how we need to pray that he would send forth the laborers in his harvest. His house, friends. Listen, church buildings may not be, but his house is going to be full. The greatest moment in the field wasn't the harvest. It was that encounter, listen to me this morning, that encounter with Boaz, that was the greatest moment. That's what happens when he brings the increase. That's what we give her the handfuls of purpose. It was Christ, she met Boaz in the field, and he was about to pour out the handfuls of purpose upon her life. The Bible tells us, Tells us in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, John the Baptist speaking, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of his shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's handfuls of purpose for those that are willing to go. God will pour out upon your life. He'll lead you to the broken and the maimed and the prostitute and the homosexual. Friends, I want to tell you something this morning. We're not there to condemn the homosexual. We're not there to condemn the prostitute. We're not there to condemn the adulteress. We're there to save them with the gospel. The only people that the Lord turned to 
The only ones that he rebuked, the only ones that John the Baptist turned to and called them vipers were those religious people. Friends, it's not, it's not those people that are broken and maimed that we come with a fist and a rod, but we come with the love of God to save them. He saves homosexuals, glory to God. He saves drunkards, glory to God. He saves drug addicts, glory to God. The gospel saves men and women. In Ruth chapter 2 and verse 7, she said, I pray you, as she goes out into that field, she's going to meet this man, Boaz. I tell you, you want a real encounter with Jesus? Know where you're going to find him? You're going to find him in the highways and the byways. Let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, and it continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. And Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from thence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Verse 9, it says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou, go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they'll not touch thee? First thing we see is divine protection. Then it says, And when you're athirst, we see divine provision. Go to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. I'll give you everything Everything of what we need to go to the field is all found in this man, Boaz, is all found in Jesus. Friends, we don't have much. We don't have great resources. We don't have many. We're not great. We're not mighty. We're not it. We're actually nobody. We're nothings. But I'll tell you something. He's everything. And if you're willing to go, you read all the history books of all the great moves of God, all the great ministries that were birthed. Brent mentioned some of them this morning, whether it's be the Salvation Army, whether it be Teen Challenge or whatever it may be. But listen, friends, they did have nothing else. But all they had was the power of the Holy Ghost. And they had a passion and a compassion in their heart for a lost world. And God met every need. Jesus said that these signs will follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. I tell you, friends, there are many devils. But we know one that sets every captive free. There are many that are possessed. But here's the gospel. He has given us power over all the power of the enemy. And in the name of Jesus, the demon possessed are still set free, Richard. It's not something that's just written years ago that we read about and say, well, and everyone's focused on the Antichrist. Let us focus on Christ this morning. He's the great deliverer. He says, they shall take up serpents. They shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. We need a ministry on the highways and the byways like this. And they'll recover. He'll deliver them. And they went forth and they preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Friends, we can plead all day for the power. But if we're not willing to do anything with it, then don't expect to be filled I'm going to say that again. We can plead all day for the power, but if we're not willing to do anything with it, then don't expect to be filled. We do need to come before the Lord in humility and say, Lord, forgive us for wanting just to be feeling good and blessed and encouraged and everything right in our house, but don't do anything beyond the front door. These were the people that give everything for the gospel. They suffered it all. They were persecuted. They were put to death. They sold everything. They had all things common. And that's why they turned the world upside down. 
Jesus said you'll receive power. Some might sit this morning and say, I'm, I'm, I'm too sh- I couldn't do what he's doing. I couldn't go into the streets like he's doing. You might sit here this morning and say, I could never do it. I would like to do it, but I could never do it. I want to tell you something, friend, this morning. Not one of us can do it. But this is what Jesus said. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. We need the power of God. But we see a humility in Ruth that's crucial for this ministry. A humility. It says in verse 10 that she fell on her face, that she bowed herself to the ground, and she said, Why have I found grace in your sight that you should take knowledge of me? Saying, I'm a stranger, I'm a nobody. Isn't the grace of God amazing? I want to share a wee bit, just coming to a close in a minute. But I want to share a wee bit about the concept or the understanding today of what it is to serve God. Now I hear, I hear a lot of people saying, I, I want to serve God. I've found out over, and maybe I'm not the most experienced, but I have a wee bit after 15 years, I've found out what people say about serving God, what they mean by that is something different from what's found in God's Word. Many people know that. It's a tragic thing today that what it is to serve God has changed so dramatically. What it has become really isn't what it is. The serving of God means a servant who humbles himself, who's not interested in any attention being brought to himself, but his whole purpose is Christ. One of the great servants of the Lord is John the Baptist. What did he say? That I might decrease and he might. Most of the modern stuff, and you know this, most of the modern stuff is about, is it possible? I want to serve God, but I want to be on that platform and I want to make sure everybody can hear me. That's basically what it's become. I want to tell you something. God's not interested in any of it. He's not interested in us entertaining one another. That's not serving God. Here's a woman to serve God. I want to show you. Ruth 2 and verse 11. Look at this. And Bo was answered. And I want to encourage you this morning. You're sitting here. You think, well, nobody really sees me or what I do. I'm going to tell you something. God has missed one thing and you serve in him. Ruth 2 and 11, Boaz answered and said unto her, It has been fully showed to me all that you have done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, how thou hast left thy father, thy mother, the land of thy birth, and are come unto a people which thou knewest not there hereafter, here, heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work. A full reward shall be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings art come to trust. Think about it. See all those years. See, Think about all those years in that land. Famine. Death. Nobody knew anything about Ruth. What was Ruth doing? She was serving a widow. She served that widow with dedication. Nobody knew about her. There was no great uh, promotion of Ruth. She just diligently had served the Lord in the small things. 
And the small things, the small things are the most important things. She served that woman and she thought she just done it onto her because she loved her. That was her motivation. She wasn't looking anything. She wasn't wanting the attention. But look what it says. It has been fully shown to me what you've been doing. I want to tell you something, friends. You've been serving the Lord. Maybe at times you've been discouraged. Maybe at times you feel, well, it's not really recognized or nobody really knows. I want to tell you something so precious. The Lord sees it all. You see, we're going to be shocked. We're going to be shocked at the judgment seat of Christ. We really are. I do remember it. I've said it before and I said it again because it stuck with me all these years. I remember Carter Conlon saying years and years ago, he said, I'm privileged to be the pastor of a church of 10,000. He says, we have billionaires in this church that tithe finances that come through that church. He says, we have mission teams all over the world. This church has been raised up under the leadership of David Wilkerson to be a platform across the world and a voice, and it certainly was that in the days gone by. Powerful ministry into so many countries of the world. He says these words, he says, but I do know this one thing, that when we get to heaven, I'll have to open the door and let those wee women that sat at the back of this church and prayed it all through because they'll have a front row at this throne of grace. The kingdom is completely different to this world, but sadly that world has become part of that church today. She said, let me find favor in your sight, Lord. You've comforted me. And for that you've spoken friendly to your handmaid. Though I be not like unto one of those handmaids, and Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come hither, eat the bread, dip thy morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reaper, she reached her parched corn, she did eat, and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, listen friends, Boaz commanded his young men, listen, she wasn't, she was so poor. Do you know in that law they were allowed to come and take just of the edges? But the Lord hears the provision, hears the revival in this field. Let her glean amongst the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Do you know what happened? You get a picture of this. I mean, you've got to look at the whole picture. You've got to see a life. Here's a widow. Here's a woman. She's a stranger. She had looked after her mother-in-law who was a widow. They had nothing. They were nobodies. They had come back. Naomi's heart was broken. The, the, the Lord had testified against her in all her afflictions. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. They come back into that land and Ruth and her love for Naomi. She says, let me go. And she goes into that field. And she has an encounter with this man, Boaz. I want to tell you, friends, see for those who are willing to say, and this are, and I pray more than anything, I pray for all our lives to do it, but I do pray most of all for those younger lives to say, because you have a life to give. You have a youth in you that is so rare, that is so needed in the kingdom. Serve God when you're young, but give him your life. And here she goes into that field, but friends, 
She'd met that man Boaz, and Boaz says, let her right into the middle of this field. I'm going to give her handfuls of purpose. In other words, she's going to be so blessed in the field. She's going to come back. You know, she went back with an ep of, of, of barley, but you know what that means? An omer is a tenth of that. One omer in measurements will give you one loaf. She came back with enough to have ten loaves in her house. God abundantly blessed her. And what I believe what the Spirit of God is saying in this moment, in this hour, and to this church this morning, and to whoever's here and whoever's listening online and wanted to be here, God is speaking into your heart and into your life. And you've had a stirring in your heart, and you want to go. And I want to tell you something, friends. There is a meeting with Boaz this morning. And that Boaz is Jesus to us. And what he's saying is for any of you who are willing to say, I will go now to the field. I want to tell you one thing that you can be assured of. God in this hour is going to give you handfuls of purpose. I mean, you're going to see, we're going to see a revival, but the revival's in the field. It's not in the house. It's going to be in the field. It's a revived church. It's a church that are stirred, but they're going and they're going to be bringing back more than enough because the house is going to be full. Well, who's it going to be full with? Friends, will you go? Will you go? No, will you go? Will, are you willing to go? Are you willing to say, listen, well, I have all these plans in my life. I have all these things that I'd like to do, but the Lord's, the Lord is coming into your heart today and saying, but what about my field? Will you give yourself to the field? For those that will this morning, I can guarantee you, God's going to give you divine protection, divine provision, handfuls of purpose, and the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. Is there anything more that we need? Brent, we need nothing else but the Holy Ghost. Nothing else. But if you're willing to go, God wants to meet with you this morning. I know that. Let's pray together.